Well, hello. I'm now in Blackmore End, podcast number two, with, as promised, guest podcaster all the way from the northeast, Mr. Ross Armstrong. Say hello, Ross. Hello, Ross. <laughs> You're pretty sure you were going to say hello. Ross. <laughs> it's, it's a gag when anybody tees out, though, isn't it? It's, it's, unex- it's expected now. Absolutely textbook. I should explain the picture. I'll put the picture on my blog, but we've got popcorn. And whiskey, which is a delightful combination. <laughs> Particularly at 10 to 4 in an afternoon. <laughs> not fit to say that. <laughs> it's just a, just a little afternoon refresher. Just about giving yourself a little bit of artistic inspiration <laughs> before you start podcasting. <laughs> lubricate the vocal cords. They're already well lubricated, in fairness. <laughs> so any pause you hear is likely to be either, either popcorn or whiskey supping. Or both. <laughs> Simultaneously, I'm not sure how that'll work. I think we're going to probably... Have a look through the Independent for some stories to spark our imagination. A topical news review. <laughs> a topical something. A controversial topical news review, probably. <laughs> Almost probably. It's <laughs> <laughs> a family audience. It's a story on the back page about a prosthetic arm. <laughs> I mean, that's true. I think it's an arm. <laughs> it's an IED. He's a big lad. What's an IED? Improvised explosive device. No worries. That's what they don't like in Iraq. If I was David Beckham, I wouldn't be autographing it then. <laughs> As I say, it's fairly harmless. <laughs> you can't believe you cracked them for the second time. <laughs> can't believe you laughed for the second time. <laughs> I can. Secret, good, secret to good comedy, that. What is? Repetition. <laughs> what is? Timing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so then I think we'll do a song, but we haven't decided what song we're going to do, so that's exciting. Did, what did we decide? Did we decide? Yeah, maybe, maybe well, we did. We'll, maybe we'll sort something out. We'll leave it as a surprise. For both, for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> but still, while uh, I'm still going to look for it now, whilst so it's up there when we come to the site. So I'm back in Blackburn for a week. Uh, it's Paul and Hannah's wedding on Saturday, which is exciting. And uh, I had the stag do last Saturday. John won the karting. Does that? <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. I imagine he's quite competitive. He's competitive and light. <laughs> I was competitive and heavy. Hence <laughs> came second. Was Viv in it? Viv was. <laughs> Viv, <laughs> on the, on, on, so the, the scheme was you do like an outlap and then it's like a rolling start. But you're not allowed to overtake into the first corner. And Viv was ahead of me and I thought, I'm just having him on toast here. <laughs> so Viv wasn't, I thought like everyone was going to bunch up and get as near as Viv wasn't. Viv was just like asleep. <laughs> so I was right up behind him on the first corner and just pulled out and overtook him and went, <laughs> for the benefit of the tape, Rich has just waved sarcastically at the imaginary Vivian. Not for the first time. <laughs> Dr. Andrew Vivian. Fair play to him. There's quite a lot of people who pay a lot of money to see Viv belting around in a go-kart with some comedy helmet on. Was he dressed as Toad? <laughs> Unfortunately, not no. He's more a Waluigi than a Toad. <laughs> wiry. Yeah, he is wiry, that's true. Yeah. I don't know whether Waluigi's a master of economics, though. Or a doctor of economics, rather. Probably is in the Mushroom Kingdom. <laughs> Say that the whiskey we're having is Gentleman Jack Rare Tennessee Whiskey. None of this uh, old number seven crap. <laughs> or indeed this Smoky Joe's Sainsbury's <laughs> bourbon crap. But I like the fact we're not bourbon snobs. No, absolutely not. <laughs> Equal opportunity bourbon drinkers. It's good whiskey. What's on the back page there then? It's all about Harry Redknapp. <laughs> this is when podcast needs editing for libel reasons. I just opened it up there. <laughs> It's all about Harry Redknapp, who's the biggest oxygen thief on two legs. <laughs> That's a bold statement. What a waste of space. There, there are bigger oxygen thieves than him. 
Well, yeah, in the context of war criminals being on one end of the spectrum, I don't think he's that bad. We also got Jose Mourinho. That's true, but I mean, at least Mourinho's achieved things in his career. That's true, also. Harry Redknapp's his own greatest publicist. What's he saying? It's about Ledley King, and England have called him up, and he's injured and can't train, and Harry Redknapp's very upset about it. And now Fabio Capello's upset because Ledley King's pulled out. <laughs> what do you think Fabio Capello said? <laughs> Mamma mia! <laughs> That's what he said in my head. I think he just said, Harry, I don't really give a monkeys. I've achieved more in my last three years than you've achieved in your whole miserable career, probably. If he said exactly that with a Geordie accent. <laughs> That'd be It'd be brilliant. brilliant, wouldn't it? If he's learned Geordie, <laughs> learned English with a Geordie inflection. Everyone hey. should learn English that way. <laughs> you reckon? Yeah, definitely. Maybe <laughs> even with a proper Northumberland, Ashington inflection. <laughs> so his next press conference he rolls his R's. <laughs> Yeah. I'm a bit worried about Wayne Rooney. <laughs> that, that, that would get them rolling in. <laughs> it would. We're losing the, the international aspect here with rolling Northumbrian hours. <laughs> yeah. He's skipping out with the Gerrard story. There's not very much in here, really, in the sports bits. A bit about the Great Britain cyclists. Fair play to them. It's done well. It's good, it's good the press is still on that story because they could have easily. Jensen Button, looking forward to the new F1 season. I bet he is. Because he's got a very competitive car indeed. There's a story on BBC News today, which I read earlier about Hamilton saying that actually you wouldn't mind driving some other people other than McLaren. Is that because McLaren are now less competitive? <laughs> yeah, before when they were winning, you know, at least the best team, if not the second best team. And he was like, oh, I'm happy to stay with them for the rest of my career. Yeah, oh, and Ron Dennis <laughs> is like a father to me and all of this. Funny how but you now, love this but shit. But now they have to you give him the only bulls and horses three-wheeler to go around. It's less, <laughs> less happy. <laughs> yeah, won't compete as well with them. All right, all right, go to the front. We don't need to read about that. The business pages are just boring. <laughs> just lots of graphs with down, <laughs> downward trends. Yeah. That's a score, yeah. We'll do this with Oakley. That'd be a good crack on the podcast. It would, yeah. I think the top row, second column, is just about <laughs> complete. What's on television this evening? Well, funny enough, it's yesterday's independent, <laughs> so it's saying that The Apprentice would be quite good value. <laughs> it was quite good value. It was, although it still annoys me, that programme, slightly. Well, yeah, I mean, it's all obviously a setup. Well, it's just that it kind of emphasises... To me, The Apprentice says that the most important thing in life is to get ahead and make lots of money. Yeah. And it encourages that as a mindset, but also which is it, wrong. It never gets people on that do it in the right way, if that makes sense. Like, it never gets anyone on that can... Like, for example, there was someone that said yesterday, oh, you know, you, you can't do it and be nice or something. Yeah. Whereas, in fact, I think you can. Yeah, you absolutely can. And success in life is far more, there's far more to it than commercial aspiration, which is what half of those lot are all about, really. Yeah. We're on the films bit now. Well, we finished The Apprentice. <laughs> it's, it's got got worryingly deep there for a second. It did for a moment. It might veer in and out of the <laughs> surreal and ridiculous. The five best films that are on release at the moment. Gran Torino is identified as one of them. I haven't seen that still. It's, it's an absolutely brilliant film. What, what are the other ones? Oh, I've never heard of any of the other ones, but we'll go through them. Wendy and Lucy. No. The Class, which apparently won the Palme d'Or at last year's Cannes Festival. <laughs> I didn't make it. <laughs> Il Devo, which is, I, I thought, a pop group. I made that one. Oh, did you? It was good. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's the whiskey talk. And Bronson, which is a, <laughs> an original, lively and pacey portrait of Charles <laughs> Bronson, a violent sociopath who spent most of his adult life in solitary confinement. You wouldn't think it would be lively and pacey. 
Well, I like the way that they've got Lively and Pacey in the same sentence as Violent Sociopath. I've got a bit of respect for that. That's not much here, really. Life after windows. All about windows. Going on the, the way out. Here's an interesting one, though, for you. Should school... You know schools pay a lot of money for Microsoft licenses and PCs? They do. When, in fact, they could get it all free. Pass the popcorn. How's that? Well, they could just use Linux and oh, yeah, yeah. open source. I, mean, I guess there's a point for educating people into win in Windows, but... Well, Linux is basically saying that it's going to take over the world here. That's awfully bold. That's what they reckon. It's shedding its geeky image. <laughs> it's still quite geeky, given that you need a PhD to install it. <laughs> Not really much here now. I'm struggling. Go to the front and work back. This is a bit about Jennifer Aniston and John Mayer breaking up because he put things about her on Twitter that she didn't like. Oh, I heard something about that. What happened? Apparently he put on Twitter, Half of my heart is a shotgun wedding to a bride with a newspaper ring. Half of my heart is the part of a man who knows he's never really loved a thing. <laughs> well, that's going to annoy your wife, isn't and it? She got, bit, she got a bit teed off by that, apparently. You get annoyed about that in any sort of arena, let alone a public one. You know. And it said here, his next update said, This heart didn't come with instructions. <laughs> apparently he's only 31, I thought he was older than that. How old is Jennifer Aniston? She'd be in her 40s, wouldn't she? It's largely irrelevant though, isn't it? Well, I mean, if you're asking me, I still would. <laughs> Take her out, that is. <laughs> Take her out for a nice dinner. Yeah. Up the... Uh... Up the... Um, up the... Uh, Ritz. <laughs> <coughs> What's that? that? That might be a bit that gets edited. <laughs> It'd be Mind if, if, I, if, I, if I draw the line there for the edit, it's going to get... It's going to be a short podcast. <laughs> the thing is, is what, you can, what we can do is just pause and stop. Have a drink. Then come in again and everyone thinks it's been edited. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you clip, 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 clip what you're saying. So yeah, they broke up because of what he put on Twitter, which is a bit bizarre. It's funny how some celebrities are genuinely addicted to Twitter. Apparently Mayer says here, he spends six, seven hours a day on Twitter. I think like some celebrities adore the attention anyway, that's you know why they're celebrities, aren't they? But Stephen Fry, Jonathan Ross, I mean, loads of them. Alan Davis, they're on Twitter literally all the time. Yeah. Alan Davis is quite a good one to follow. So it's an Arsenal fan because he like, says things about the match and stuff. Well, he's quite funny as well. Yeah. That thing that you said about look before you ask, or Google <laughs> before you ask, is the new look before you leap. <laughs> the Luke. Look, even. <laughs> I'm going more of this whiskey, I think. Okay, Just, that's a good story. I like this one. Oh, yeah, this is... um. The Independent talking about 10 of life's simplest pleasures. I guess this is themed about life in an economic downturn and what you can do that are simple pleasures. <laughs> I should but say they've kept it clean. They have kept it <laughs> fairly clean. <laughs> <laughs> Ross has just pointed to roasting a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> because apparently that's one of life's simple pleasures. <laughs> Never underestimate the smell and taste of a simple roast chicken. A crisp golden skin that falls from a pinkish white slice of meat is all you need. Well, I mean, roasting a chicken in the proper sense is a life's pleasure. Well, cooking anything, so I agree with that. Well, if you take your time over it and really kind of get involved with it, then yeah, roasting a chicken's a good one. Caring for clothes, I do not believe to be one of life's <laughs> great pleasures. Why do they say that's a life's great pleasure? Apparently, why would anyone bother with it? Stitching and darning and all of that sort of stuff and repairing your clothes is get a great sense of satisfaction, apparently. 
yeah. Servicing the car. Well, but I guess my, my, my dad might agree with that in some sense, but I don't think he would agree that doing the menial stuff is a life's great pleasure. Yeah. Going for a walk? That's fair enough, that's one of life's great pleasures. Depends where you're going for a walk, like. Yeah, if it's down Fallujah High Street. <laughs> <laughs> that's a well-known street, that. Has it said Fallujah High Street? <laughs> it will have a high street. Yeah, I don't think it'll be called Fallujah High Street. <laughs> well, that'd be the translation, surely. <laughs> That'd be the one with the wool with the woolies that's just closed down. Be <laughs> <coughs> all the Iraqis out there going, God, it's shocking, isn't it? <laughs> Second I went down to Connie Ryan Woolies. <laughs> no. Where am I gonna get my IEDs now? <laughs> Reading a map apparently is one of life's great pleasures, but I mean Saturn have a knife that. Uh, I think yeah. I could I could I can I, I can sort of see that that's enjoyable finding out where you are and where you can go, but it's not in the top ten, is it? No. I mean, you know, let's sit in the car, get out this massive map that takes your entire arm span to read, or get your iPhone out and get Google Maps on the go. Well, I mean, that's true. Baking a cake, making slow gin, brewing a cup of coffee, I can sort of see. I mean, I'd rather be drinking a cake, drinking slow gin. <laughs> drinking a cake would be good crack. Eating a cake, drinking slow gin, or drinking coffee than making it, I guess. Yeah. Or just the, the last simple pleasure is apparently doing nothing, and it's got a fella in a hammock who looks very relaxed, um, and not unlike Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> it's not going 150 miles an hour, though. Well, no, you wouldn't in a hammock, would you? <laughs> oh, this is a story about the Hindus wanting open-air cremation. Oh, did you pick that up? And Well, the, only because we were talking about it yesterday, and there's some council that want to ban it, don't they? Yeah, quite a few. It's a big kind of... It's quite a split point. But my point is, is why, you know, just because you belong to a religion doesn't mean you have a right to do something, because you live in a society. You know, if the Hindus wanted to say, right, well, you know, in India we float our burning pyres down the Ganges, we want to do something similar on the Thames, most people would say, no, that's a step too far. I'm not saying this is necessarily a step too far, I'm just saying in principle. It does set a precedent. I don't know that I really have a strong view on it either way, to be honest. I think, well... You can see the argument both sides. But I just think that you shouldn't, just because a religion, you know, someone says this is my religion, you shouldn't necessarily agree that it, it should be allowed. Is an open-air cremation potentially as brutal as I think it is? Because in my mind's eye, I imagine it to be everybody gathered around in a bit of parkland with a coffin and a fire on the go. Well, I don't know how they do it here, but in India they just like set like a little, they make a little um, raft put the body on it and then set it alight and then it goes down the Ganges which is why don't drink out the Ganges if you ever think yeah because it's got burning people well I don't know the burning people are really gonna, it's more the sewage that's going to cause you the problems it says here it kicked off in Gosworth originally Newcastle City Council really you probably you probably smelt some burning Hindus <laughs> well no, Gosworth's right around the corner from me Newcastle City Council denied this guy permission to be cremated on an open air funeral pyre Um. And he's gone absolutely mental, and that's what started. <laughs> Probably when you're walking down the street going, there's a KFC just open around the corner. <laughs> Smell chicken. <laughs> Curried chicken. Oh, that's a line cross there. <laughs> that's getting edited. I'm not a racist. Or is it xenophobia? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely racist than that one. Um, the comment bits in the independent annoy me because it's a bit wet Tory. This is quite interesting. The Gandhi family is it's split right down the middle. So where they so who's where's the split in relation to Mahatma? Um, well, it goes back 
I have to read it in a bit more detail. But <laughs> right, I've just dropped you in the. In the you have a bit rather. I'm going to have to think. Is he wearing mascara? The guy on the bottom left. The bottom left of the picture. No, I don't think he is. Just the angle I'm looking at. Yeah, probably. Um. So who's Nehru Gandhi? Has where's the like? Well, you've got Nehru, who's obviously the first prime minister when India was independent, and he's prime minister for a long time. Um, and Gandhi. Well, hang on, is there? A, hang on, hang on. So they're talking about the Nehru Gandhi dynasty. Yeah. But how's that related to the Gandhi we all know and love, if at all? I think he's related to Faroz Gandhi. <laughs> right, Faroz Gandhi's not the one. Maybe I'll find out on the internet. Carry on reading. Yeah. Um, what's the what's the split thing? Is it about cricket? No, it's about Islam essentially. It's a controversial. And one of them is now violently anti-Islam. It's a controversial one in India, that isn't it? No, no doubt. It's controversial all over the world. Yeah. Phil Spector, that doesn't interest me very much. Netanyahu in Israel. <laughs> Netanyahu, Israel only seems to have like about four politicians. It's incredible to me that Israel do so much in their foreign policy that is clearly illegal and breaks international law, but aren't treated as a pariah state. Well, they 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 they, they resort on this whole. I mean, this is going to be slightly controversial, but they resort on this whole persecuted Jew type. No, there's no doubt. I mean, it's no. not controversial at all. I think they're quite conscious of the fact that they can still make the world feel guilty for what happened in the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas, you know, it's not an excuse to, for a government or a foreign policy to be crafted in any way you choose, as aggressively and as outside of international law as you like. But they just seem to have so much support to think they feel guilty for setting up their state for them. Yeah. Well. Wikipedia's not telling me much about Nehu Farrow's Gandhi family. That I can import in detail. I don't think they are related to Mahatma Gandhi. Which <coughs> probably makes sense. Did he ever have children? Probably busy starving himself. I thought that his brother was involved in that dynasty somewhere, but I could be wrong. It's not really my period as a story. <laughs> or your area, geographically. No, no. There's no. Gordon Brown, the Prime Minister, speaking at another summit in Strasbourg this time. Apparently, Europe can lead the world out of the economic nightmare. I'm not sure I agree with that. For Europe, read United States of America. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, they got us into it. They can get us out. That's true. And plus, they can cut my taxes. <laughs> yeah, that's I, true. I, I don't mind paying taxes in this country, but when I'm fueling the uh, American armed forces, I feel like tax cuts are a good thing. That's would be an interesting question to do. What the economic state would be if the American and British economies hadn't invested so much on the war in Iraq. I mean, how much the war in Iraq cost those two economies? You're into trillions, aren't you? Oh, I think so, yeah. Hmm. I don't say, well... Yeah. Well, it's like the Loud and Wainwright song we were listening to earlier. With your tax cuts and your budgets, how you took us to war. Yeah. That's not how most wars work, is it? Most wars, <laughs> you raise your taxes and... Like well, you, Russia. <laughs> you know, in this country, you're talking billions that have been spent in Iraq, and I mean billions of pounds will buy you lots of schools and hospitals. But then, if you lower the price of oil, we'll raise it through the war. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's just a, just 
classification. Apparently, Andrew Sachs's family are very upset that Jonathan Ross has been nominated for a BAFTA. Baf- a BAFTA? What's a BAFTA? A BAFTA. <laughs> BAFTA's not got a award to win. A BAFTA. I didn't think that was too bad, really. It was ludicrous. People got, people got so outraged. No one it. complained at the time. Maybe that's because no one was listening. But No, but there's just this big moral panic that was allowed to kind of gather momentum. It was ridiculous. I wonder whether the Daily Mail might have been involved. Well, it was all that kind of mentality, and the Sun got involved, and they basically, in fact, when it was initially broken, it was all about how the you know this poor granddaughter had been referred to about what they've been doing on air, and you know this poor granddaughter of this national treasure and this that, and the other. Yeah. And it turned out she was an absolute blooming. <laughs> Say it. <laughs> was she a member of a dance troupe called Dancing Satanic Sluts or something? Wasn't she? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like basically slept with Russell Brand because she's absolutely mad for it. And then she got painted as some picture of innocence. It's, uh, it's true, although I'm not sure that Andrew Sachs needed to hear that. No. No, that's true. But I've seen far things that are in far worse taste than Little Britain. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> How long have we been going for? 20 minutes, here's 40 minutes more material on Little, little Britain. <laughs> I'm not going to start on Little Britain. I'll just start and finish by saying it's offensive and should be banned. I wouldn't ban it. I would. I just find it. I find it depressing that it's so popular. But I, you know, I don't think I. I it's pathetic. Yeah, I agree. But I just believe that you know, free speech. Although, that said. <coughs> yeah, I wouldn't really ban it. But I would like. The problem is that I would like it to fail because people realise how offensive and crap it right. was. Yeah, well, that's a much better way of doing. Of <laughs> this is not going to happen in the near future. No. Um. It, it, the problem is, is it, it's so well done. I mean, the, the 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 jokes they make, I agree with you, are basically offensive, and they pick on the weakest parts of society, but they do it so well. You know, you can't argue they don't do it well because they. You know, no, I've never really watched it. Well, they they do do it well. I've watched uh, it like literally once or twice, and yeah. it just the first thing it didn't make me laugh once. Now, if it picked on the weak and all the other problems that I've got with it, but was funny, then I think, mm, well, yeah. but it's not funny. It's It's got no modicum of intelligence about it. Yeah. It's just lowest common denominator crap from start to yeah. finish. No, it it's definitely appeals to the lowest common denominator. Not anyone listening to this, the light little Britain, you're in the lowest common denominator. <laughs> yeah, and you should be ashamed of yourselves. <laughs> I wouldn't get that far. I would. I know you would. <laughs> Roscoe Militant Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's the same mentality that walks past tramps on the street and laughs at them for their hard luck, doesn't it? <laughs> isn't it? My grammar's shot to hell, yeah. I found a good, a good euphemism the other day for a tramp on the road. What's that? A gentleman of the road. <laughs> <laughs> I was having a discussion at work and I said that this tramp stopped me. And they all thought I meant a prostitute because that was just like the... How, how, how they took the word tramp. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> I said... And then I, I think this is a properly used euphemism back in the day. Um, so I said, no, it's a gentleman of the road, <laughs> which I'd obviously read that somehow. That has like Miles Davis kind of connotations. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's um. We're going to be past this one. He, um, that's actually quite funny. That's what could, we're going to do, isn't it? Where are we? Oh, there you go. Anyway, so he was, I was sat at the bus stop in Chapel Hill in the sun. And actually, I've spoken to him before. And uh, he was asking me for money, obviously. Um, As they do. Yeah, so I gave him what change I had. I mean, it's not like I'm going to spend the change because I've got no idea what the crap it is. 
It's like, what's the big one, the small one, the one? <laughs> I, know, I know it's like 5, 10 and 25. <laughs> like so who knows what's what. <laughs> yeah. so, so I gave him my change I had, which may have been, well, it was more or less, well, it was less than a dollar, more than nothing, something like that. That's probably the 15, 30, or 45. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's definitely three different ones. <laughs> oh, right, like, you're right, aren't you? Yeah, anyway, so anyway, got, got chatting and he said... Uh, I just got my book out, which actually I'd, I'd taken the cover off, it was a hardcover. And it was Captain Crowley's Mandolin, which I was rereading. Have you read that? No, yeah, I thought you'd read it when you said that. I thought you'd read it. I've read it before. I recommend it to you. You absolutely love it. From a historical point of view. Well, I, I wouldn't say it's a great piece of it. It's Literature. No, it's, a good, it's a great piece of literature, but I wouldn't say it was a great piece of... Historical representation. Right, but... I mean, no doubt it's liberal with the truth, but um, it makes for a fantastic read. I read one of the Sharp novels after Christmas because I've seen obviously I've seen all the loads of um, TV ones. Mm. Never read the novels. They're supposed to be very historically accurate. I've seen Bean. And I read them, uh, one of them, and it was very good. It was. That is your period as well. Mm, you know, I, I knew the battle that was being written about. It was very well researched. It was good. What was the battle? Talavera. In, in Spain. In Spain. About eighteen oh nine, key part of the Peninsula campaign. <laughs> Why was it key? Um, because. Portugal was traditionally friendly to Britain. Wellington and the army had um, based themselves in Portugal. And for the entire period of the Napoleon Wars, Britain had no success on land, only on sea. And the Peninsula Campaign was the first sweep that they started to have some victories on land, and they moved, obviously, through the Spanish Peninsula and into southern France. About 1813, 14. Culminating in? Well, they moved into southern France through Toulouse, and then... Um, Napoleon falls in 1814 and everybody's like oh right Napoleon's gone alright okay we're going to get the king back and it'll all be good and then 100 days later Napoleon comes back and everybody's like it's Napoleon way has he come back he escapes mm. and then they have Trafalgar no no <laughs> <laughs> Trafalgar's 1805 it's 10 years Waterloo Waterloo that's what, that's what I was going for that's mm. what I meant but it's quite funny because the Allies made a big song and dance about the fact that they put the king back and the French people were so pleased to have the king back because Napoleon had brought all this chaos. And suddenly, like, as soon as Napoleon showed his face, everybody was like, Way! It's Napoleon! It's not the king! He's, he's, he's the one that didn't suppress the common people. Oh, I mean, still, for years after he um, was in exile, he was loved by massive people. Which is why when they had um, Napoleon III later in the century, he drew on that lineage quite strongly. Anyway. Well, I went to a bar in New Orleans called, it's called now the Napoleon Bar. And that was where they were going to... Because at the time, Louisiana was a French mm -hmm. state. Mm -hmm. well, well, colony. French, French colony, yeah. And they were, that's where they were going to stash him if he escaped, but he died en route. Or no. died in escape, or died in prison before he... But died in exile in San Helena. Yeah, okay. <laughs> in 1820. <laughs> anyway, if, he, if he'd lived... Well, he stomach cancer. Which is a big conspiracy theory. <laughs> should, should have drank less coke. <laughs> <laughs> Saying the British had poisoned him, but... I think it's probably stomach cancer, really. Anyway, The Gentleman of the Road. So I had Captain Crowley's Mandolin, which is a great book, as I say. Um, definitely make you laugh and cry. No doubt about it. Um, and he said, is that a Bible? And I said, no, it's not a Bible. It's a, it's a book. And he says, it says... Because then the conversation goes about how he's a Baptist and all this sort of thing, as he drinks from his can of special brew. 10 a.m. in the morning. Not that Baptists don't do that generally. As opposed to 10 a.m. in the afternoon. <laughs> Steady on. <laughs> Calm down. 
Get off, just because just you're on your historical high <laughs> Anyway, so then I say to him, no, no, it's not a Bible. And he says, so are you religious? I said, no. He says, so if you don't believe in God, where'd you come from? I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Is that what he said? Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I even said Jesus Christ. What did he say to him? No, black more Should have done. So then I thought, well, I was going to give him the science banter here. So I said, well, I come from my parents. Well, where did they come from? Their parents. I said, where did they come from? It could get quite old, this. <laughs> it got old pretty quick. So eventually I went, you know, just a subtle change. Where did, where did your parents, parents, parents come from? Gorillas. <laughs> did he say that to him? Yeah. Well, I... <coughs> subtle way of getting the Darwin <laughs> argument in, isn't it? Yeah, so then he said, well, no, we're not monkeys. I said, we are. We were. <laughs> I said, we are. <laughs> we're primates, anyway. So this got, yeah, this got old. Anyway, then he got a bit annoyed that I wasn't a Baptist. Unfortunately, my bus came. <laughs> I was like, I gave you 25 cents. No, you can't be getting all iron righteous with me. That's like half Giving me 25 pence back. That's, that's like half your way to a Danish pastry. One twentieth of your way through to a gram of heroin. <laughs> Not that I know there's fruit pies of heroin. I'd definitely rather have had a Danish. <laughs> <laughs> if you're telling me that I get five Danishes for the price of one gram of heroin, it's an absolute false economy. I've got, I've got no idea how much a gram of heroin is. Should we find out? No. But Wikipedia will tell us. No doubt. Thing is, would you take your Danish pastry intravenously? <laughs> for a diabetic, that's quite an interesting proposition. <laughs> to be honest, I wouldn't recommend heroin for a diabetic either. <laughs> but you'd recommend it for non-diabetics. <laughs> I've got no idea how sugary heroin is. It's terribly Moorish. It certainly is. Estimating the size of your habit. The retail, this is in 2004, the retail price of a gram of heroin is roughly $125 in Europe and $300 in the United States. Well, oh. can't believe I've moved. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, smack heads, get yourself back over to Europe. One gram, well, I guess that's to be expected. Oh, you see, we don't always get it pure. This is, this is what the internet's telling me. There's a formula there. Your habit, brackets, in milligrams, <laughs> equals your cost, brackets, in dollars, <laughs> divided by 0.3. <laughs> How does that work? I don't know. www. This is if anyone interested. This is www.heroinhelper.com. <laughs> Sounds like you should have a jingle that website. I can't believe anyone that has a heroin addict is on here going right. So forty plus thirty brackets. Hang on, brackets. Yes, do that first. That's three hundred and forty. <laughs> Good bod mass that. <laughs> it is. Brackets. Over division, multiplication, addition, and subtraction. Isn't well, it? There you go. <laughs> so, brass tax is if you are going to take up heroin, take it up in the uh, Europe. Ideally, Eastern Europe, or you'll be running the gold as how pure it is, I reckon. <laughs> I think it gets less pure as it goes west. Yeah. <laughs> like communism. <laughs> Anna Kornikova, <laughs> one gram. Well, we've seen to have gone to a, <laughs> a drugs debate here. I might think I'm really ready for another whiskey here. I'm just man, um, the popcorn's quite nice. Although I did, um, I did, you didn't notice this, but I did drop a massive bit of popcorn <laughs> in my whiskey before. And what's the? And I sucked it out quite quick. It's a bit soggy. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it giving the whiskey a nice salty aroma? No, no, I did not. Where do you stand on butter and toffee popcorn? I would depends really. This is weird. But I prefer salted if I'm in the house. And if I'm at the <laughs> cinema, I prefer sweet. How does that work? That's 
slightly perverted. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> if I'm at the cinema, I prefer nachos. <laughs> That's true. I might start marketing popcorn with jalapenos. Me and Phil went to the cinema the other week to see Gran, Gran Torino, and he got uh, nachos, and he put loads of jalapenos on, and he looked at the woman and he went, you don't give us any more? And she got a shovel, like literally this kind of scoop thing, put a massive load, and you just couldn't see any nachos or any cheese just for this <laughs> green layer of jalapenos. This always... Man's an animal. This always makes Pete, Pete laugh, in fact, he, he reminds me of this often. So if he's listening, this will make him laugh. When, the first time that the cinema in Braintree opened, which wasn't actually that long ago, I went there and I had, I thought, I have some nachos. And I said, Can I, have you got any jalapenos? So the woman said to me, how many do you want? <laughs> so my response was, as many as you're prepared to give me. Which is fair enough, isn't it? <laughs> well, it was just factually accurate. Uh-huh. Do you get many? <laughs> well, the thing was, is the, the jalapenos there just aren't hot. No, they're not at the cinema, are they? They're, I'm sure when I like, first got into nachos at the cinema, they used to be like properly hot, that you would be struggling to tunnel through a hole. They'd eat, they'd, they'd they're not hot anymore, they're just like, more pickled than anything else. Yeah. What a disappointment. It's a reflection of the economic downturn. <laughs> It's a lass at work who, all her life, until we pointed it out, has called jalapenos Jacquelinos. <laughs> so she was like, we were going on the other day about, oh, if you're going to Subway, don't get me any of those Jacquelinos. It's like Millsy, who thought, thought, that, thought that those little Indian triangular pastries you got were samosas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're laughing, but unless someone tells you, how, how are you supposed to know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Still very funny. <laughs> Smoozers. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> do you want another whiskey? I do, yes. It's nicer than the Jim Beam. That's the truth. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't have the Jim Beam straight. <laughs> you wouldn't? <laughs> I'm just got a mental picture of having it straight in about eight hours. Yeah, two ice cubes. Beautiful. Two ice cubes, not the regulation number of ice cubes. In fact, we could just have three here. Cause yeah. Because one That's is the regulation number. Regulation, yeah. It's better in a, a tall glass. is slightly better as well because you get more ice to whiskey contact ratio. We talked last night about that story when I lived in London, and Mark brought that bottle of whiskey round that he bought from Sainsbury's, the cheapest bourbon that he could find, and it was the most horrible tasting filth, mixed with Sainsbury's cheap cola. My word, <laughs> I don't know anything like it. So much so that when I chucked something out the window and it landed on the curtains of the flat below, they wrote me a really nasty letter saying why had I spewed out of my window and vomited on their curtains. I shouldn't have had their window open, should they? No. But it says a lot about a bourbon that can be mistaken for vomit. Uh, that was bad, that stuff. That was awful. You heard from Mark recently? No. Yeah. He's doing right. He's saying... They're, they're not on the list to get married, surely? Yeah. Yeah, she's a great girl. It's uh, doing a lot of climbing. It's quite an active thing. Like rock climbing, all that lot. I thought there was a joke coming there. No, is it? Yeah. some sort of IRA based. No, no, no gags. No Republican gags. What's on the front page? I do believe the front page ran with the Big Brother government and I'm targeting Facebook because ministers are worried that Islamic terrorists are going to form Facebook groups about, I don't know, Let's blow up the tube. You've been invited to join. <laughs> I imagine they're a little bit more covert than that. I don't know. Well, I guess they are. 
it's a funny one, Facebook. It's got, I mean, it's grown so fast. Yeah. Three years ago, hardly anybody was on it. It's funny because it's tri trickled up from university. Yeah. Because the people that friended me, I went, I was still at university. But the people that started friending me were all people that were like years below me. And that's gone up the chain, as it were. I remember when we first went to Durham, now they still had that like, they'd only just got PCs with email on, hadn't they? And they still yeah. had, like, told you how to log in on the Pine system. Yeah. Which is basically inconceivable now. <coughs> I guess you can still do it. Cause That's the thing that terrifies you really. If you think about where PCs, the internet, mobile phones were 10 years ago. And 10 years is not a long time really in the grand scheme of things. So where will it be in 10 years' time? <laughs> I mean, 10 years ago, mobile phones were all pay-as-you-go and they were all bricks. They had like really old digital um, analog screens. Yeah. And now... We didn't have analog screens. Well, really crappy 1980s <laughs> digital displays. I never had a mobile phone that was like the old house phone where you rang the dial around. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and now you've got a mobile phone that can get the full internet at the blink of an eye, yeah. an 8 megapixel camera, a video camera, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth. Do you remember that most roller phone I had in Durham? It's our first mobile. Yeah. That's a great crack line. But, I mean, that was typical at the time, wasn't it? It was, it was so solid. You went through about three little mini errors and things like that. It's like Remember when I had that little one? It was absolutely tiny and you kept insisting you could swallow it. <laughs> I'd be playing pool and you go, I could definitely swallow this. Like, you might have to turn around off the shot because it was halfway down your gullet. I've forgotten that. Yeah. It was a small phone, like. It's a con, though, isn't it? Make it smaller so it's easier to lose. <laughs> I'm not sure it is. I did lose that phone once. So. <laughs> of course you did, it was tiny. No, it wasn't because of the phone line, because I couldn't see straight. <laughs> I was coming back from Clute. <laughs> Where did you lose it? I don't know. Well, we don't want to get onto Baron's stories, mind. That'll be a long old podcast. <laughs> Tom! <laughs> Show that one. Tom! I'll have to explain that one now. <laughs> I remember we were in, this, in the key to Clute, which was a, a club in Durham, or still is a club in Durham, I assume. And we always used to, for ages, for like a whole year and a half, we complained at queuing. Anyway, then, well, one, Ross realised actually it was quite a good way to meet women in the queue. <laughs> and there were some lines that won't get repeated, that got repeated every night. <laughs> and, uh, and then I also realised that it was funny that we were all whinging about queuing, and then we went upstairs and stood still anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For a little bit until the... We did have an epiphany when we realised that queuing include was part of the best bit. <laughs> yeah. Because you could just have so much banter with so many drunk people. Yeah, so after this epiphany, we basically, basically realised that we'll have just have some fun with it. And what people used to do is you get inside and you have to queue to go upstairs to where the music was. And uh, people used to queue jump. And I think that when we started, you're like... You, you just sort of watch all this go by you. But after you get in the... You kind of cursed under your breath, didn't you? Like, yeah. But in the third year, you start getting a little bit more belligerent enough. Because <laughs> we were part of the furniture by that stage. We felt like we sort of had a right to be... Yeah, which is ridiculous, really, when you think about it. <laughs> anyway, this one... <laughs> one lad... Was his name actually Tom? It was, yeah, because we I think we'd seen him. He'd been in the queue behind us outside. And I think we'd talked to <laughs> two girls that he was <laughs> talking to. And we're like, oh, Tom, this, that, and the other... And Tom was a big lad. He was, oh, he was a, he was a, he was a six footer. Like, I think oh, he was a six foot three. He was a rugby player, I think. Yeah. Anyway, so this guy jumps in the queue. We got in. We got inside, and we went to the back of the queue with a couple of doubles, and we were chatting to these two girls. And he saw some of his other mates at the front, who we recognised. 
So he just blatantly walked over and dived in the front of the queue. <laughs> we were like, we're not having that, like. <laughs> hey, Tom! You're not Tom. punching in, are you, Tom? Tom! 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 <laughs> Ten minutes at least. Easily. <laughs> and he kind of initially saw the funny side. <laughs> Didn't realise that we had that at that stage. It wasn't really patience, I would say. It was just more that... We were just... Well, inc- it just got increasingly funny to what's, us. What's the secret of good comedy? Repetition. 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 <laughs> Timing. <laughs> Timing. Um, so we basically, we got like a bit of a concerto going, didn't we? Tom, 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 Tom. Oh, Tom. Who are we, Tom? That's the best bit after it. Let me pause for a minute. Tom. Oh, Tom. Are you pushing in? And Tommy Bell. Would you, would you just get Tom from... <laughs> yeah. And people on front were going, excuse me, that guy wants to talk to you. Tom! Oh, dear. Very good drunks back in that day. Well, I mean, world-class well drunks. Remember the conversation drunkly having included that we were the best drunks in Durham? Yeah, I was so called sober. We were sort of so we had a hangover the next day. And Tom and one of the lads is a really bad drunk. And we were just sitting by the pool table and there was about six of us and we said, oh yeah, he's a really bad drunk him. And you got up to play a shot and you went, Ross, in the same way that you talk about our pool's partnership, pool partnership, <laughs> I like to think that you and I are the best drunks in Durham. There was, there was definitely some truth to that. I don't know what's in the pool. There <laughs> <laughs> might be more truth to the, drink, the drunks than the pool. Yeah. Because in, in some sense we never got beat being drunk in Durham. No, no. <laughs> There's a lad at um, our work who's an accountant who used to play in the Great Britain pool team. Really? Mm. Have you played him? I haven't played him, no. There is one other classic clue story, probably the classic clue story. Which one's that? <laughs> I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> Did he get the trepidation in my voice there? <laughs> I don't know whether a chance I will ever listen to this, but I don't suppose you'll mind that the, when we were apps, probably one of the drunkest we've ever been in clues. Oh, this is brilliant. <laughs> I'm there now. <laughs> And we'd, we'd gone through, so Clute used to do for a pound thirty double vodka and oranges. And we'd had like, and they used to burn your stomach. It's like just that. over two dollars. <laughs> yeah, and they uh, burned your stomach after a while. So that we then, so then we moved on to the, as you reminded me earlier, the gin and lemonade. Dub- double gin and lemonade. Oh, all doubles, all doubles. <laughs> and then we moved on to the vodka and cramp, <laughs> which, you know is, which you know is basically bad news when you get that far. Anyway. It was one of two nights where we had ten of them because we got in really early. <laughs> there were more than two nights when we had ten of them. <laughs> no, no, no. Only two I can remember. <laughs> anyway, we got in there and there was no dancing we'd done. It was, you know, it was dancing without the question. Just from the state of a new Legs weren't reliable enough. <laughs> so they had these little picnic benches at the back which we sat down on. I saw a friend of ours, Sean, who was two years below us. Yeah, he would have been, yeah. And uh, he started shouting away. And he's, he's obviously a bit down, which was, in a drunken state, probably took about an hour to pick up on. And he seemed to be on his own. I guess he was. Anyway, but we were chatting away, and we got in our round, buying drinks and stuff. And that had... And then... <laughs> anyway. We were just sat there, drinking, in one of the, like... The very rare occasions we were sat down, including in one of those booth things. Yeah. Might have even been a Sunday night, you know? <laughs> I don't know. No, I think it wasn't. It was certainly might have been a Thursday. We were sat there, and we just finished our drinks, and he went, look, there's something you need to know. And we were like, well, what's that? Thinking, well, it's definitely his round here. <laughs> like, there's something you need to know. You might as well know. I'm gay. And we kind of paused and went, we just didn't, he must have, fair enough, son, is it your turn? 
I'm not saying we wouldn't have done this anyway, but you must have thought we were the basically the, the, the most easygoing people in the world because we didn't even blink an eye. No, because it was his turn. <laughs> <laughs> I can sit and talk about the trials and tribulations of your emotional instability and your sexuality preferences, or I can wait till while you go and get us another drink. But he definitely came back and he was like worried about how Guinea was going to take it and all this kind of thing. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> and we were like, no, no, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, which it was. And yeah, it was I. Anyway. So the night moves on. I can't remember where, end, where we ended up. Anyway, not probably not much longer after that. Don't we know. ended up in. No, I don't know. <laughs> and probably about three or four days later. Well, I think it was like the Tuesday or Wednesday, and this was a Sunday night. I sat in the bar. So you know, three or four days. And midweek drinking in the John's bar was always just. Excuse me, not hiccups. It was always just. Sunday night drinking was just fizzy pop, wasn't it? I think it was even later than well. Anyway, whatever night it was, it was a fizzy pop night. So you just go down there and... Uh, Drink Diet Coke. Yeah, and shoot the breeze. And remark how, how often that you put that song on the jukebox, but you're still going to put it on again. <laughs> and so after an hour, I just sat there. It just occurred to me, the events of the previous night. Of the previous four or five nights, yeah, you know what I mean? exactly. And uh, <laughs> so just as Ross was taking his drink, <laughs> probably you could do with the actions here. But I just said, Ross... Do you remember what Sean told us in Clute? <laughs> that's just a massive pause. <laughs> that was like, no, no, I don't remember. <laughs> that's like, no. Do you remember? <laughs> no, just... Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, it, just, it, it just hit me as I got my drink and went, bloody hell. Remember, <laughs> he was like, what was it? it was like, oh, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Find out soon enough. Same Glute stories could definitely fill an entire podcast. And no doubt, as the phrase goes, we should probably move on. That gentleman, Jack's taken home, right? <laughs> yeah. It's the first time in my life I've ever looked at a virtually half-empty bottle of whiskey at half past four in the afternoon. It's not virtually half-empty. Well, certainly a third empty. Although it is wider at the top. Yeah. Shall we go to song? Yeah. You getting the guitar? <laughs> it's going to help. <laughs> You need to fill some time. Fill, fill. I don't know how to fill time. <laughs> Thankfully, he's not gone far for the guitar, so I haven't got much to fill. I might have to swap seats here. That's the end of my filling. You'll be alright there, won't you? I'll see how it goes. This is an old English folk song. <laughs> of sorts. I'm not doing the last bit, right? This bit here? No, I mean like from... That bit. The repeated bit. That bit. Yeah. Yeah, I know what I mean. It won't take me long to sing out of tune here. Am I just coming in whenever? Do you want me to start? No, I'll start. When do you want me to just come in whenever? Uh-huh. <laughs> this is professional, this isn't it? <laughs> She's just coming whenever. <laughs> yeah. I want to break free I want to break free I want to break free from your lies You're so self-satisfied I don't need you I've got to break free 
God knows, God knows I want to break free. I've fallen in love, I've fallen in love for the first time, and this time I know it's for real, I've fallen in love, God knows, God knows I've fallen in love. Strange, but it's true Can't get over the way you love me like you do But I have to be sure When I walk out that door Oh, how I want to be free, baby Oh, how I want to be free Oh, how I want to break free But life still goes on I can't get used to living without, living without, living without you by my side I don't want to live alone, God knows Got to make it on my own So baby, can't you see, yeah I've got to break free. Do it, do it. I've got to break free. I want to break free. I want, I want, I want, I want to break free. Oh, that's pretty good for having not practiced it. Yeah, first one off the belt with a lot of whiskey down. <laughs> that could be the factor that's making it sound quite good. <laughs> yeah, where did you get that from when you first got the chords? Um, I worked out the chords from a Frank Turner version. Funny enough, they did on. Did he play it like that? Uh, no, did he play more beat. I think no. I think he just this bit. Yeah, he played. Yeah, but I think it. Okay. That was me. I think it definitely goes. It's got to go more a beat there, like yeah. on the second bar. I don't know what he does in the second part. Do you know that was written by? Bob Dylan. No. <laughs> Kate Rusby. No. Steve Knightley. Uh, no, no. Warmer. No. I might fancy another song here. John Deacon. Really, most John Deacon songs are just heavy bass. I know, yeah, <laughs> like, like another one by To Dust and things like that. This is right for one of my parents come back right a bit.
sleeping on a plane You know you can't complain You took your last chance Once again I've landed dreams are made of strawberry lemonade and you make sure I eat today you take me walking to where you played when you were young never say Bargain clear where I, I, by the point where I thought I can't actually see that, and then I realised that I probably could. Yeah, and there was a jazzy note on the second chorus. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> I think that's one of the better things we do. 
It's a good record, that. Which is going to be disappointing when we listen back to it and it's not regular. Really <laughs> <laughs> it's a great record, though. I think my parental representative is going to be back soon. That's going to basically be the stopping point. So we might as well push along till then. I think it's been quite long already. To be honest, if anybody's listened for this length of time, they're, they're very bored in their work. Well, <laughs> John said, who probably is someone bored in his work, given he's doing a PhD, said more podcasts, more podcasts, more podcasts, but shorter, which I think generally is a good ethos. Um, but seeing as the two of us, it's been pretty easy to go on for now. Yeah. Like I, might, I could edit it into a part one and a part two. <laughs> you could do that, because then after part one, we'll be like, ooh, tune in next week. <laughs> yeah. Or not. We really should have done that at some stage. <laughs> Maybe I'll edit out the, uh, the racism midway through. I don't remember any racism. <laughs> there was a joke about smelling like curry. <laughs> <laughs> That's casual. <laughs> casual racism is the worst. Yeah, it doesn't count casual. Institutional is the worst. <laughs> Just ask red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sure shank redemption joke for It's a good one. <laughs> um, the other thing I said was that I need to put instructions for everyone to how to get it on iTunes because that confused some of the older generation apart from the popcorn and Ross's right hand that's just naive isn't it um, it's very Moorish popcorn how much is a gram of popcorn on the streets <laughs> popcorn is actually quite expensive per like it's one of the most expensive things per kilo be of yourself no it is because like you know how much a kilo of popcorn is in terms of oh, volume. Aye, but I mean, <laughs> <coughs> all right, you can have that then. I mean, I don't suppose it's more expensive than heroin, but or gold. <laughs> it's popcorn more expensive than heroin. <laughs> right in with your answers, <laughs> Richard <laughs> Dot Allen. Answers on a stamped address envelope. Stamped address, like all envelopes, self-addressed. Right then. Well, I guess I, I need a Wii, so <laughs> that's gonna. <laughs> Not a Nintendo one either. <laughs> I have got one of those. I need an American one, really. Yeah, you do, especially when that tennis game comes out. Was there anything else to talk about? I don't think so. I think we've talked for a long time. Good. The well, best bit is that we might switch off this podcast, go upstairs <laughs> to play the computer and just talk more rubbish without <laughs> it being recorded. Um, it's absolutely true. Well, it just leads me to thank Ross for sitting in. Thanks very much. Launching your TMS career like me, <laughs> as I said last week. We should have talked about cricket. Yeah, we should have done. IPL would have been. It's not, there's, not, there's not much to talk about in the Maybe the next one. Um, given the last time, there was the whole bombing in Pakistan. I didn't even talk about that very much. You talked about it a decent bit, like. Did I? Yeah. Did like Chris Broad getting people down on the bus and all that lot. I feel sorry for them that they, that they had a go in the Pakistanis still, because you're like, well, you got shot at. You're, <coughs> you may not be right, but at least you've got a right to an opinion if you get shot at. Yeah, that's true. Much like. Uh, Leaving that one well away. All right. Well, I'll we'll say goodbye. Goodbye from him. (laughs) Goodbye from him. (laughs) Good night.